Today's podcast episode is sponsored by the Afterlife Awareness Conference. The Afterlife Conference will be virtual again this year in 2021, and we hope you'll join us online June 24th through the 27th. As we have done for the last 11 years, we unite the disciplines in exploring the survival of consciousness after death, offering wisdom from hospice professionals, physicians, mediums, shamans, scholars, and counselors who share a deep understanding of death and beyond. This year, we are honored to have Dr. Robert Thurman, a worldwide authority on Indo-Tibetan Buddhism, as our keynote speaker. He'll be teaching us how to die like a Tibetan Buddhist and is also offering a workshop on Buddhist cosmology. We are also proud to feature returning scholar Dr. Ken Doka, senior consultant to the Hospice Foundation of America, who will talk about the mystical experiences of the dying, and Dr. Jeff Black, a psychiatrist who is also a shamanic practitioner who works with ritual practices for death and bereavement. In addition, we have general sessions addressing everything from music, Phantology and death doula work to ancestral healing practices and grief support. And there are continuing education credits available for licensed professionals. Visit our website at afterlifeconference.com for all the details. We look forward to seeing you there. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Path 11 podcast. My guest today is Fred Matzer. He is the founder and chairman of the Fred Foundation and a leading Dutch humanitarian. He's been active in social and ecological transformation and is the founder or co-founder of a wide range of charitable foundations that span the fields of health, environment, nature conservation, peace, and global transformation. The principles underlying these foundations are based on inspiring co-creativity, self-sufficiency, empowerment, inspiration, and harmony. He is also the author of the book, Beyond Us, and I had the opportunity to watch his lovely documentary called Beyond Me. So Fred, welcome to the Path 11 podcast today. Thank you, dear April, for having me. Yes. Wonderful. Nine o'clock with you in the morning. Yes, it is. And what time is it there for you? Three in the afternoon. All right. So I'm just waking up and you're ready to go. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, you know, I really loved your story. It's it's really interesting how, um, you know, when I was watching your documentary, Beyond Me, you kind of talked a little bit where I'd like you to start to let my listeners know a little bit about the relationship with your father, you know, who your father was and how you kind of came into more of a businessman role. But then you had a really life-changing event that you were feeling a call to become a humanitarian. And then there's this really interesting story about this healer that you had gone to and had what I would say sounds familiar to almost like a near-death experience without dying. Like I've speak, I've spoken to a lot of people who have had a near-death experience and they enter into this oneness. They enter into this mm -hmm. space where all is one and they can understand this concept where the veil is lifted and that they merge with this, this greater consciousness. And that happened during a healing session that you had. And then we'll kind of launch into a bunch of questions. But I'd love for you to give our listeners just a little bit of an overview of how this journey happened for you. 
Yeah, thank you, uh, April, for asking the question. Um, we go back to 1985. I um, had stepped back from a business career that I was more or less forced to go into because my father suffered from Parkinson's disease and had diabetes. He died in 77. And I already had started to work for humanity to lead a worldwide program at Red Cross, Red Crescent in Geneva to help and reduce child mortality and morbidity related to the dehydration that goes with diarrhea. And we can talk about that perhaps later because that's also an amazing story. But anyway, so it was that in Verbier in the mountains, a friend of mine had an apartment and he has had a healing from an American man coming from New York and he wanted me, knowing that I had uh, latent diabetes, to undergo the same treatment. So what happened is that uh, I found myself in the apartment, the man with a friend of his gave me an enormous portion of uh, vegetables that he cooked uh, half and uh, asked me to drink two liters of water. And in the meantime, uh, he said, I'm going to give you a minuscule portion of condensed nutmeg. And this is an invention of Dr. Jonasalk. I remembered the name at the time. That was the father of the polio vaccine that he invented in the early 50s. And he said, this man, Elliot Postal, I treat um, uh, Mr. Salk uh, himself with this stuff. And so after having had the food and drunk a lot of water, he put me in a hot bath. And then I underwent a very powerful massage on the floor. In the meantime, the song, We Are the World, was playing. And I don't remember ever experiencing sound and what I later uh, learned to uh, express more like the intensity of vibrations resonate through my body of which I became kind of super aware and I felt extremely good I beat beyond good feeling and at a certain moment I had a flash a flash that said a friend of mine, Sally, she is breaking her collarbone on the slopes. And she will be here. This was Verbier, was a ski resort. She will be here in 15 or 20 minutes. And then she will say that she needs an ambulance to uh, be brought to the hospital. And exactly as I saw it, she was there at the given time. And uh, indeed, she had broken her right collarbone and from that moment on I started to be extremely interested how I with my consciousness relate to a field of consciousness in which in par uh, apparently information that what expresses itself in form I call information that um, happened at another time and another, uh, sorry, at the same time, but at another spot, how I could be linked to that. Anyway, more to say, but 
that was the first experience that I would describe later as superbly, superbly blissful. But during the last, what is it, 35, 40 years, I've had more experiences like this, and the essence of it I would describe as um, you, and I described it in a documentary, you go through a veil, a veil, say it's a curtain in a kitchen or in a living room, and you go to the other side, which is still an action in time and space, and then you find yourself on the other side of the veil, and you look around, and there is no veil. There's nothing. And there's not even me. There's just sheer feeling, sheer experience. There's, on that side, no beginning, nor an end. And I would describe it as an ongoing orgasm, but they're not in a sexual way, but like a feeling that's not within the skin, but beyond the skin. And it is experienced in itself. It doesn't have beginning, nor does it have an end. And um, if you would look up the watch, which I did once when it happened, it was in a kitchen or at a home where we lived in uh, Geneva. It was something like 12 seconds. So, that later on I came to understand, I'm living, we all live, a sequential life that goes by the clock. And the experience I had was not sequential. It was a transcendental experience. Yeah, and I know too that it, one of the challenging things when I talk to people that have this type of experience, we say there really aren't words for it. And there's a great section in your documentary where you go into language and how there's so much, there's so many other ways that we can communicate as human beings, but our primary focus is on the words and on the language. And you go to explain you know, that kind of like leads into this other space of the unknown or something that we can't really see, but we can perceive. <clears throat> Talk a lot about spending, you know, time there and to access that through meditation. Um, so I was wondering if you wanted to talk a little bit more about just the way that we communicate and the language. Because there was <clears throat> a great example that you gave when you were a little child observing, I believe it was a lily, right? Was it, was it, a, it was oh, a lily? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. No, indeed, I describe it often in such a way, uh, we all were born, and we were born without words. Right. But slowly I, our eyes opened, and we could see the eyes of our mom, of our dad, brother, sister, grandpa, whatever. And at that stage, I because I still remember doing it also with my grandchildren at the time, they're no older, but that you connect with the energy in the eyes and you allow the connection to be made through your eyes as well. And then there is wordless communi communication between the baby and you. And I remember as a young, young boy, because you refer to that, indeed that, 
that I walked um, around this period of time in in the winter and 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 how do you call these uh, snowbells? Yeah, and I saw snowbells and the snowbells generated enormous, profound feeling of happiness in me. And I had no idea of the word snowflake, you know. I was just not burdened with a word. Like when you smell an up apple, you smell the apple and you see the, the skin of the apple, you feel the taste, and but you're not burdened with A-P-P-L-E, you know. It's not a concept, it's the experience. And... <clears throat> Then slowly we invite that child in the world of words, the world of words. And yes, we think we help the child, so the child learns concept. And through the learning in concept, through the learning to express ourselves in words and numbers, we can make comparisons, we can order information, and based on that, we can communicate with others, not with dogs, not with trees, not with whatever, but we with people that speak the same language. In the meantime, what we hardly are aware of is that we are exporting our experience, our direct information that goes through our feeling into the words, that because of the use of the words, always are expressing that what has happened. It's not happening, but it has happened. So that what we call consciousness, within consciousness, we have the mental faculty that uses words, that uses numbers, words and numbers. And the whole communication between people go through that mental faculty, through the ratio. So we have applauded our capacity to think in our mental capacity and what we have forgot, forgotten as a little child in the corner, the orphan, often they say. That is our feeling capacity. We're not trained. We're trained to think. We're trained, we're educated to think. But we're, and trust our thoughts, but we're not trained and not confirmed in that feeling gives us equally, if not more important information and learn to trust that. Yeah. And you gave um, a great example. And, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast before about meditation and um, how uh, so again, so many people that I've spoken to, when you sit in stillness, that is when you have more access to that divine, to that, to that other divine intelligence. Um, and you talked about that as well, but I had a question because I was a little confused. You had um, mentioned that when you're meditating, your vibration lowers. And I wasn't sure because I've always heard that like, the vibration when we're accessing meditation goes higher, but I wasn't sure if you were, were you talking about like the brain waves going into yes. more of a, okay. So that is a wave is an expression of a vibration. Okay. And remember in the most subtle fields, it's the lowest vibration. The intensity of vibration augments when you go to the higher densities. 
And it's indeed in the spiritual world, they say you go on a higher frequency, but they don't never explain what it really means. It's an expression. But if you go to physics and you go to measure, then you will find lower vibrations. If you make an electroencephalogram, you see that when you meditate, your frequency goes down, your heartbeat goes down, your breathing goes down, everything goes down. Near death is the lowest level of frequency with the highest access to divine information. Mm-hmm. And I loved you kind of made me laugh a little bit in your documentary where you were like something to the effect of how could you expect to hear God when all you're doing is thinking, yeah. thinking, thinking, thinking. It's like yeah. you have to slow the thoughts down, like stop having the yeah. thoughts. And, you know, you really emphasize that about finding stillness and to yeah. finding that quiet. So that's you said, and I've experienced this personally, that is when that information comes in. Um, yeah. You know, that it does, it's, it, it can be confusing because it's like, well, that doesn't even feel like my thought. Where did that thought come from? Yeah. But it's in that stillness. And when we quiet our mind, and as you say, come to that lower vibration, that we're able to access a, a bit of what you've experienced. Right. Well, we are sharing it. We're in the same field. Yep. Definitely. Ab- absolutely. With the, any of the listeners, I, I assume. Yeah. So the other thing that um, I thought maybe we could also talk about is, you know, it was pretty prominent too in the documentary that here it was, you were the successful businessman, probably had a ton of money, but you weren't feeling fulfilled. And I wanted you to move into talking about just that materialistic worldview and how there is so much scarcity and fear. And um, I'm working actually with this whole concept with a, a woman's group right now about trying to come into a better relationship with abundance and looking at how the energy of the world really is so abundant, yet the material world and kind of like our Western culture is all about things and money. And like you said, scarcity, Um, you know, with the pandemic now, how many people are in fear because they're either out of work, they're not making money. They, um, they can't pay their rent, right? There's a lot of, a lot of energy and focus around money and what that can bring. And also on the other side of that, the scarcity of us not having enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for asking, April, this question. Um, Let me first try to step into the uh, explanation from the physical side, from the materialistic side. What I understand when you would define the finite by time and space, that when we look at the totality of space, if you express it with an atom, with a molecule, or with an eon, or whatever, it are expressions from high densities deep in the earth to the most subtle fields at the edges of our universe. The quality of whatever you describe is that it coexists with all the other elements. There is no element that you describe that can be at the exact the same spot as another. It's a very important insight because that means that the whole of space is an all-inclusive, ever-changing, dynamic system. 
that runs by the phenomena of resistance, which exists by the phenomena of polarity. By uh, the polarities plus and minus creates resistance, and that's the phenomena by which, by the grace of which, the whole uh, phenomena of space exists. So that's one quality of space. Time. If time was, you live in a different time than me, and there's there's a time difference between my nostrils even. Why? Because if time would be defined, this is Einstein, by the speed of light, and a light photon would travel from, say, the sun to the earth, to me, it would travel with a, a speed of velocity of 300,000 kilometers per second. And you you would stand in between somewhere huh? yeah, between the sun and me. Then the time that time fo photon is light photon is first with you and then with me. So whatever element you take in space and get, give a description of has also a different uh, time uh, coefficient. Do do you understand what I mean? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's coexisting. So if you if we all understand that it is an all-inclusive system, and funnily enough, the planet uh, is round, and we can see that we are all taking part in the game of gravity, I, I always say with a little joke, everything on Earth and wherever coexists. We live together. I live, don't live against you. I cannot compete with you. I cannot compare with you because you're different. I can only compare with myself if I feel better than yesterday or not. So the first observation is that it is an all-inclusive system. We, the humans, have one of the billions of expressions of life. We have an idea put in our mass mind, which is there is scarcity. So, and when there's scarcity, you have to fight, you have to compete, you have to take care that you, number one, that you get the stuff. So you, in an all-inclusive system, you start to exclude. And I would say, in the school of philosophy that we live, the, 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 the humans live dominated by this philosophy of materialism, we buy that. So instead of coming from love we come from fear so by exclusion Ex and that's a consequence of the materialistic worldview what we are aiming at with our newest foundation uh, essentia is to introduce in the, an, another worldview and that that worldview is the worldview of uh, the non-dualism or um the idealism, that school of philosophy, which basically says, and um, this is perhaps a, a, a leap too far, uh, the school of idealism says that consciousness, we have not yet really addressed consciousness, but consciousness is a timeless and spaceless phenomena. You cannot find consciousness. So the idealists say, Consciousness creates the universe, creates the brains, creates the trees, creates the bodies, creates everything. 
So you cannot find the spot where consciousness, consciousness is. And the materialist says our brains, human brains, they create consciousness. So they give it a spot. But if you go and look in the brain, you can never find the spot where consciousness is. So it is our belief. I mean, the people from Essentia, Essentia is led by Dr. or double Dr. Bernardo Castor, is that if we in the next 30, 40 years help the most prominent scientists to offer them the right scientific information that they from their self will be convinced and will shift their worldview. And from this inclusive way of thinking and feeling, we are not trying to convince others because we know also that it is not nice if somebody tries to convince you. It's nice to be provided with information that you share with somebody else so that that person has the time and space to absorb the information and may change his position or her position. Yeah, and and wouldn't you say too that part of that in sharing that type of view and hoping that that changes is that it also has to come from the being level. Like, you know, it's not yeah, like you're yeah. trying to convince somebody about this consciousness. It's like they also need to experience what you're talking yeah. about in order for it to be their reality and real. That, because indeed that very, thank you very much, April, to bring that uh, to my attention. Uh, because I of, often say we are human beings and the human is the material, is the finite expression of the being and being means essence, which means the infin infinity. So we can decide to live in our human, in a body, and then one day we will die and everything is over. If we have repeated over and over again that that is it, that indeed it, 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 it is it, and there may be a lot of fear around that idea that you die one day. But if you are able during your lifetime to uh, move your consciousness from your human to your being, then the only thing that can happen is that the human will end one day, but the being, being in itself infinite, will always exist. Mm, I or love that. Because it is, <laughs> it is timeless and spotless. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've never heard anybody just actually break down the word human being before. I've heard the saying, you know, we're human beings, not human doings or doers. And, you know, people trying to remind people to, come at that being level, but I really like how you described the human and the mm -hmm. being. Thank you for that. Yeah, and I wanted to express because it's not me. Way back, people knew already. That's the point of reference. The very, very early colleagues right. that lived, they, they knew it already. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, yeah, so would you also like to talk about your book, Beyond Us? Yeah, well, yes, you can ask many questions. I have broken it up in, 
in in chapters and uh, with different subjects. Uh, indeed, we already covered words. We have competition, goals, path, knowledge. Well, you you can ask anything. Yeah. Well, what about the one on the self-expression? You tell a story about um, Mary, and you feel like that that's kind of relevant oh, yeah, to the yeah. situation our families now. Oh yeah. That's not my story, but I I. Um, wow, that's a wonderful story. Um, who, who mentioned that to me? An American, I may, I may remember the name, and then I'll, then I'll tell you, and I'll share it with the listeners. Um, and this is the story. Um, there is a mother in the United States, it's summer, and um, it's early in the morning, and it's a beautiful day, so four or five o'clock or so, the sun is up, and Mary, being um, four years old or so, uh, is fully awake and she steps out of her bed. <clears throat> and what she finds on the floor is a lot of crayons. And uh, she was lucky enough to find her room to be done with uh, fresh, light wallpaper. And she, saw, she thought, wow, that's an ideal spot to create to 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 start make drawings on 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 that on that wall <laughs> so she picks up all colors and starts to make all kinds of sketches expressing what she feels and she has lots of fun and after a certain time she hears footsteps on the hallway and then she hears the flush of the toilet and again, she hears footsteps and the door goes open. And little Mary, one third of the size of her mom, looks up and sees her mom at the safety of her being breastfed by her mom. And mom starts to shout at her and says, what are you doing here? You are just destroying the wall that we kindly or we we prepared it for you to have a fresh look and you cannot do your never 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 go and do this anymore so mom closes door or slams the door mary sits there and what happened to mary in the future is that mary closed down her feeling capacity her creative expression she listened to her mom. She listened to the teacher in school. She listened to the professor. And Mary became an eloquent academic. And in a way, what she has done, she has exported her own inner trust to the outside world. And when I read this story, or heard this story, way back 30, 30 35 years ago, I thought that happened to me too. I was listening to others. I'm listening to others. I was not really uh, supported on being and being myself. You were good when you could copy somebody else. Then you were awarded and recognized and whatever, if you do what other people want you to do, then you're a good boy. So that's perhaps a drama of millions of people. Yes. And, and I think so many people are on that 
journey and that quest to quote unquote, find themselves, you know, like um, those words are used so often with people that I work with. I feel like I've lost myself. I don't know who I am. I'm trying to find my way back, you know, to who I am. And you're right. Kind of sifting through all of these different impressions and listening to what people have said about us or the opinions that they have about us. We tend to take those and create this other personality in a sense. And then that usually feels uncomfortable. And then people can't stay in that personality of what was created by others. And we tend to go on to this self journey and self exploration. Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Fred, thank you so much. I think we actually covered a lot of ground in a short period of time. Um, I'd love for you to let our listeners know where they can find your documentary, purchase your books, and uh, any other information that you would like to share with our audience. Please do so. Uh, yeah, the documentary, um, you can find of um, uh, Beyond Us document, documentary.org. And for info and 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 yeah, if you go on our website, Fred Foundation uh, dot com, yeah, dot com, I think dot com, or Essentia Foundation dot com, then you have much more information about what we do. And by the way, perhaps also we have not talked about it, but we also started the foundation two years ago. Forest piece, we call that foundation to buy nature and agricultural land and transform agricultural land back into nature to take the poison out and to do that forever. And so, we in our situation, we do not really want people in nature anymore <laughs> <laughs> because we want nature to be itself and allow itself to grow and communicate the way it is done in nature and hopefully to inspire people to rediscover their own inner nature and push out all those dysfunctional cultural elements in their being which i'm doing every day still work in progress. Yes. Well, I think our world is very lucky to have you here in it with all of the beautiful work that you're doing. So thank you so much. It was an honor to speak with you today. And we'll be sure to put all those links in the show notes for our listeners um, to be able to access you more easily. So thank you so much, Fred. It was a pleasure. Thank you very, very much, April. And to everybody, miles of smiles, sprinkles of twinkles and lots of love. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Take care, everyone. Thanks again for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that show. And don't forget to head on over to path11tv.com. Grab your annual membership for $59. Remember, that is 40% off the regular price. So I really want you to take advantage of our launch deal of $59. You get over 75 hours of content that we have on there. So head on over to path11tv.com. Take advantage of the annual membership. All right, guys, take care. Take care.